Hi, I'm Gary Cole and you're listening to the Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. This podcast is about the stories of the men and women who we give the responsibility of coaching our, our players and our teams here in Australia. There are some wonderful stories, some wonderful wisdom, some great learnings. Today, we're honoured to have the brand new head coach of, of West Sydney Wanderers, Kath Canooley's W League. Uh, sorry, Kath Canooley's W League team. That's probably what it is. That's not the best introduction, but we'll do it. Kath, welcome along. Great to have you. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here and, and speaking with you today. Yeah, thank you. you, you Kath, you've got a... Um, you're, you're, I'm going to call you a baby. I don't wish to be disrespectful there, but at, at 35 with a couple of old dinosaurs on this podcast, in coach years, you're, um, if we cut you in half, the, coach, the coaching rings are, are still pretty small. But in those 35 years, you've had a, a great playing experience that took you through playing as a youngster at Marconi um, into the young Matildas, the Matildas, 55 games in the Women's Soccer League, championships, premierships. Uh, and then into coaching, and, and this isn't about your playing career; it's about your um, about your coaching career. But tell us a little bit about you as a as a young player, and how all that started for you out at Maconi. Yeah, well, look, I, I grew up in a football mad um, Italian household, so I think I had no choice but to <laughs> but to want to play football. Um, I remember the early mornings that I'd get up with with my family to watch Italy play, and you know a lot of a lot of uh, happiness and a lot of tears there as well as, as a football fan. Um, I just knew that I always wanted to play football, you know, there's a yeah. few road, roadblocks there with mum saying that, you know, I shouldn't be playing and don't worry about football. And then one day dad and I snuck out of the house and, and went down and just started training with the boys at Marconi. And then within the following year, I was in, in the team. I was one of the first ever girls to play in the boys um, competition at that level. And, and I played there for three years until I was 13. And then um, I got told that I was not allowed to play with the boys anymore. And and back then there was no pathways for, for yeah. girls. It was pretty much go straight at 13 into um, the first grade women's squad at Marconi. And, and it was just from there that, that my career sort of pushed on. Um, I was kicking a ball at, at one of my brother's games at halftime. And I think it was Tony Wormsley back then that identified me um, just, just kicking a ball and my passion for football is, has always been there since a young age and I just always knew that that football was something that I wanted to do and I think people that I see along the way now, you know, friends of, of my brothers or friends of the family, they said, we always knew that you would have to do something with football because you always had that bloody ball at your feet. <laughs> and did, did that in so many times, obviously you and your dad used to sneak out, was that, so it wasn't a backyard thing uh, or, or was it a backyard thing? Were you... Were you always kicking the ball around at home? Yeah, yeah. So if, if anyone, like family, friends or cousins, everything always revolved, revolved around the football, you know, yeah. whether we went to the beach or any family gatherings, you know, you were always kicking a ball in the backyard or in the house or wherever we could find, you know. Um, football is, is part of life in, in the Italian culture, you know, growing up. Um, my brothers played, my dad played. Um, yeah it was part of our everyday life. We would go and watch um, all my brother's games. We would go to Marconi games. Um, you know, if you look back at some of the old NSL players from Marconi days where, you know, I still see today 
Um, and it's funny because they used to see me always sneaking into the change rooms and I'd always want to go into the change They can't come in, Catherine. They can't let little girls in there. And every now and then somebody would, would sneak me in, whether it be um, Francis Awaratifi or Vlado Zoric or JP or Andy Harper. One of the boys would grab me and, and take me in or take me onto the field. And I would always be there, their post-dinner, um, you know, after the game. and. Yeah. Yeah, like there's just so many great memories um, growing up as, as a youngster, um, hanging around at Marconi, you know, whether it was before or after training. But, yeah, football's always just been a big, big part of my life and a huge part of, of my family's life. Yeah. Kath, how do you – how do you, you – obviously you're coaching the, um, the, the W League team at West Sydney Wanderers, but you've – you spent time as a TD in Southern Districts. Um, you're working with some academy kids as well. How do how are, how are modern coaches dealing with kids that don't kick the ball around every day at home? Do you think that's impacting the way they come to you as players in terms of their preparedness? Yeah, I think it's huge. You know, um, if we look at how many games our Aussie kids play in comparison to kids, you know, whether it be in America or Europe or Japan, you know, we always know about, you know, you've you got to be touching the ball X amount of times, you know, to be sort of, you know, a top-level player. And and games and decision-making is, is a big part of it as well. Um, with with my, um, you know, philosophy at SD Raiders and where I'm a TD at, you know, it's all about how many games, how many extra games can we get in for the kids in within the year, you know, yeah. not – also not calling training sessions off, finding alternate training sessions when, you know, when it's raining and the councils close the grounds. Can you get them into futsal courts? Can you get them into synthetic fields? And, you know, we, we're always going above and beyond. That's, that's a big part of me being the TD there and making sure that, you know, the girls do not miss a training session, you know, because, yeah. you know, you've you got a week or two weeks of rain, you know, what do you do? You have to make alternative um you know, arrangements for them to make sure that they're, they're training and they're playing. Um, that's that's a big thing here in Australia. Um, but I'm a big believer of, you know, before any of that, you have to have passion for the game. You have to love the game. Um, I think football is is one of the game only games in, in the world that you can't play if you don't love it. You know, I just yeah. always feel like, you know, you need to have that that special bond, you know, with, with the game and, and the way you play it. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to instill in, in a lot of the girls in the younger ages, you know, to watch more football, to yeah. get involved and, and see what the culture's about and get out and about. It's not just turning up to training, turning up to the game and that's it. There's just so much more to becoming a, a footballer. Kath, in your, um, I think you've been with Southern Districts uh, in and, and um, West Sydney Wanderers for, since you're around about 30 now. So that's five years. 30 is really sort of young. When I saw that as a technical director, I went, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a big gig, uh, 30 years. In, and, again, I'm, I, I'm going to keep referring myself to a dinosaur here, and that's only because I've been on the planet for, for a few years. But in the early days of being a technical director, that meant you're responsible for the player development pathway and the coaching development pathway. Is that something that was a part or is part of that role at Southern Districts? Yeah, it is. Um, I didn't always start off there as a TD. Um, to yeah. be honest, my first year, which was about seven years ago, um, I just went in there after I stopped playing and I was just holding training sessions for all their teams. 
So I'd go yeah. and spend some time with the 13s, the 14s, and I'd just do a little bit of um, sessions, just individual stuff with different teams, um, just to help the association out. And it was just post-playing career to sort of keep involved. And it was the following year after that that I went to the association board and I presented a plan to them about women's football um, and said, I'm really passionate about our region and if I'm going to be involved in, in football and in coaching, I would love to do it here at our association where I've grown up and where it's been a big part of my life. And I showed them a plan of, of what I wanted to do with the club and the association over a 10-year sort of period. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bought into it. They, they loved um, what I had to say. Um, I started off there just as the first grade coach in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I coached first grade for the first year. The second year I said, well, if I'm going to coach first grade, I need to coach the 14 because I need to start. I'm not going to get the quality that I want in terms of what I wanted out of a player. So the second yeah. year I just started coaching the 14s and the first grade. So I'd do <laughs> one end to the other. And then it was in the third year that I turned around and said, okay, well, this is the next part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I want it to become a full-time role for myself. Um, I want to be involved full-time with the association and the NPL club. And this is what I have in in plan for, for what I want to do here. Um, and this is my reasoning behind it. And I said, well, I can't work full-time and do what I want to do. And again, and I'm very, very fortunate to have an association um, that has been a big believer in what I want to do. Um, yeah as a coach and as a TD, but also a big believer and a big supporter in women's football in, in Southwest Sydney region. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones, and I say this all the time, I'm very, very lucky to have people like um, Southern Districts Association that support me and support my career and what I want to do and how I want to grow things um, because I am one of the lucky ones that's involved and, and employed full-time. Yeah. And, and that, firstly, to be employed full time in football in Australia, whether you're a, a male or a female, is a big deal because there's still not an awful lot of those jobs around, um, even less jobs full time in the game for women. So it's absolutely fantastic. And just listening to you talk about that, because I, I think you, um, you played in Southern Districts as well at the start of the process. You went in to coach TD, you coached the uh, senior women's team to a couple of championships and you're coaching the kids as well. That's one heck of a fast track learning experience for a young coach, isn't it? It is. It was huge. And um, honestly, after probably my second year in coaching, I think I, I called majority of my coaches that coached me and said, I'm so sorry for what I put you through. <laughs> Being a player is so much easier turning up the training with your boot bag and leave because as a coach, the amount of hours and time um, and commitment that you have to put in is just unbelievable. And my hat goes off to every single coach that's coaching out there across Australia because, you know, a lot of them do it because they love it. Um, and a lot of them do three or four different jobs to be involved in football in a full-time capacity. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a massive sacrifice in there to be part of, of the coaching world and, and like I said, as, as a player, it's the same. You have to have passion and love for the sport. And as a coach, you have, you have to have 10 times more passion and love for, for the sport as well. But, um, yeah, in the beginning, you know, playing and coaching, um, I thought it was going to be easy, but it wasn't. It was really, really hard trying to do both. And that's why in the end, 
I ended up just hanging up the boots and and concentrating more on on the coaching side. Fair to say when you first get into coaching, you don't know what you don't know. Oh, 100%. (laughs) You know, you just, it's just such a massive eye opener. Um, And and over the years, you know, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to have a lot of people that, you know, I've been able to lean on. Um, people that I can just pick up the phone and, and call, you know, these are the top end coaches like, you know, Alan Stagic, Tom Samani, to be able to pick up the phone and, and call these guys and just yeah. have a chat about um, about coaching and, you know, any questions that I sort of had along the way. It's just so great to be able to lean lean on them. And, and I know yeah. that I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones because there's a lot of up and coming coaches and there's a lot of people that are passionate about coaching, but, they don't have the network and don't have those sort of um, relationships that I've made over the years, obviously as a player, which, which helps along the way. Yeah. I want to drill down into that a, a little bit further, a little bit later on. How, how did you get into coaching? What was the motivation? How did it all start for you? Um, I think in the beginning I had a year off playing and I just finished up with the Wanderers and I decided to sort of hang my boots up and, and just concentrate on work and, and building my family life and building myself a career outside of football. Um, and to be honest, I was just bored and, and I wanted to be involved in the game in, in some some way, you know, having that time off. And I'm not used to being at home, you know, during, <laughs> during the week, you know. There's only so much TV that you can, um, that you can watch. And there was actually no Netflix back then when I, when I stopped playing. Um, but... I just love being on the park. I just I felt like I could give back to to kids, um, you know, and it started off just wanting to give back to Southern Districts and, you know, kids from Liverpool and, and Fairfield region, you know, give back something that I didn't have. I never had a role model or a mentor or somebody that I could sort of look up to and say, oh, oh wow, like this, this girl played for Australia. Oh, wow, this girl plays for the W League, you know. I still go out to many many clubs across the Southern Districts Association. And it, it still, you know, it hurts me to see that not every every girl puts their hand up when I say, do you know who the Matildas are? Do you yeah. know what the W League is, what the Westwoods W League is? And there's still not every girl in the crowd puts their hands up. And, and that's my goal. My goal yeah. is to get out to clubs and, you know, see young girls. When you say, do you know who the Matildas are, that every girl on the field puts their hands up and says yes. Yeah. I love that. How now that you've 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 just been appointed into that that first senior um, W League performance role, in looking back, and I know it's not a long way to look back, but how important do you think getting that first gig in a Southern Districts has been for you in preparing you for where you find yourself now? Oh, it's massive because. Um, I didn't just walk into a professional environment, you know. I walked in at basically grassroots, you know. We we built what we've done at Southern Districts in the women's program. Myself and my team around me have, have built that from scratch. Um, the team was in a state league competition um, and it, it, there was no professionalism to the program. We have built that now and we're in an MPL2 program. We're an established program. Um, we have qualified coaches. Um, a lot of things that I've implemented there in terms of, you know, mentoring uh, players that are currently playing, female players, female players that have decided to step away from the game, which we've also got into coaching. Um, you know, one of our coaches that 
came through our program, which is now working within the future Matildas and, and the young Matildas space, which that to me is is fantastic. That's that's what I want to oh, that's what I want to see. I want to inspire um, you know young females to know that there is opportunities for them that they can grow, whether it be as a player, whether it be as a coach, whether it be as an administrator, whatever they want to do in football, that those opportunities are there. And, you know, I, I will help them in, in any way that I can. Yeah, I like that. Kath, then, because of that experience, you're a West Sydney Wanderers girl, you played there, you've been in the program since it kicked off. Um John Satsimus picks up the phone. I assume it was John and says, Kath, have we got a job for you? Do you just jump in willy-nilly there or what are the processes that you went through before you said to John, yeah, John, I'm going to do this. Where's the contract? Press hard, three copies. Yeah, look, um, myself and JT have had a fantastic relationship um, for many years, you know, started back 10 years ago when when we first um, started the club, you know, and he knows as, as well as myself that uh, at the end of the day, especially now, you know, I'm not just a, a lone ranger. I've got a family. I've got a young child that I have to um, that I have to worry about as well. And it's difficult in terms of, you know, the W League job is still a part-time role and yeah. something that is difficult um, for someone like myself. But I'm very lucky that I've got the support of the club, you know, from the Wanderers and JT. And I've yeah. also got the support from the Southern Districts Association, where they've both come together um, and made this work for me, which I'm very, very lucky because, you know, it's it's over the years, um, you know, the relationships that I've built from, from both sides and, you know, both clubs, so Wanderers and, and the association both mean so much to me. And it's not just a job. It's something that I'm passionate about on both ends. Yeah. Um, both clubs mean um, the world to me and I, I don't want to see... I don't want to be anywhere else. That's that's where I want to be. And being the um, head coach at, at the Wanderers in the W League space is is the pinnacle for me. It's a club yeah. that you know I feel very passionate about, and I'm very honoured to take this role. And I hope it's something that you know we can continue to grow. And it's not a, a short term project here. It's something long term that we want to build. Um, and I think I I can do that. Yeah. I'm sure you can. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. How on earth are you going to get some downtime to refresh, renew your batteries, um, see your family now and again with these two large part-time roles that make one incredibly large full-time role? Yeah, look, that was uh, one of the only um, things that was was said when I was talking about the role with my partner. It's just about... um, making sure that I make time, you know, not only for myself, I think, and for my son as well, because it's really, really important. I always say this to the players is to have that um, that balance. I think it's yeah. important that, you know, you have that time out, whether it be a player or a coach, to make sure that you you clear your head and you clear your mind and you're always focusing um, with, with a clear picture. Um, you sort of don't want to be, you know, 100 miles an hour in, in what you're doing. But like I said in the beginning is that, I've got the support from the association and the club to make sure that my time will be managed correctly um, and that I'm not um, overworked and, and over um, doing overly like a lot of hours within within the W League um, season. I'll reduce my hours at the association to make sure that um, my hours within the W League space are sufficient. And on the other end, 
you know, when W League season's off, then my hours will increase um, yeah. with the association. So we've, like I said, we've all come together and we've agreed on this and to make it work for, for myself um, because I understand how, how important um, football is, but also how important um, my family life and, and my son um, are to me. And, and that's something that we're just going to make, have to make work, you know, I'm sure yeah. I'll be, I'll be bringing him down to, to the field. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Coaching backpack. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Kath, on your journey as a player, or, or maybe in the early days of being coaches, which was there a coach or coaches that had the most influence on you? Um, yeah, look, probably Alan Stadgic, I've got to say, has been one of the most uh, influential. Um, I can see now why he did what he did when he was coaching us. Um, yeah. You know, because as a player, you don't you don't see that. You just think that they're picking on you all the time, or that <laughs> you know they're just being tough on you. But you don't realize that the ones that pick on you and the ones that are being tough on you are the ones that ex- expect for you to be better and want you to be better and just trying to push and challenge you all the time. You know, I see that now being on on the other side. Um, but it's just, I think one of the main things that I take away from him is is the passion. Um, the yeah. passion that he brings to the game, um, the commitment, um, that willingness to, to win all the time and, you know, instilling that in his players. Um, that's something that now I look back on, I think now I understand why a lot of those things were implemented or what we, why we did what we did. You know, as a player, you don't realise that. And everyone always say the biggest whingers are always the players. You know, <laughs> we're the most selfish people. Um, but... Yeah, as, as a coach, now looking from the other side and, and looking back, I think um, that's a really, really important um, trait to have, just be passionate and, you know, instilling that willingness to win. Oh, I like that. I like that. You're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media the Podcast Professionals. We're talking today with Kath Canooley, the new head coach of the W League team at West Sydney Wanderers. Pushing ahead, Kath. So what is coaching? Oh, what isn't coaching? <laughs> coaching, you think it's just turning up and, and putting a session on. I think when, when you're a coach, you're a psychologist, you're a doctor, you're a mother, um, you're, you're a nutritionist, you're an analyst, you're, you're everything, you know. But coaching is something that you need to feel that love. You need to you need to have that passion when it comes down to coaching because you have to wear so many different hats. You know, it's not just putting a, a training session on or just drawing it up on the computer. You know, you need to have so many different skills to be a coach, um, you know, being able to interact with your players being able to manage, you know, a big group of people, um, you know, organisation, having so many different skill sets across the, the football world, not just, you know, putting a training session together, understanding how to, you know, code games, um, analyse. Um, there's just so many different parts that you need to know and it's, it's a really, really tough gig and, and you don't realise it until you're actually in it full time. <laughs> Uh, ain't that the truth? <laughs> hey, listen, it's, it's been a big day for um, Australian coaches, or a big week, um, a couple of weeks. You appointed 
head coach at West Sydney Wanderers. Um, this week, we've had Joe Montemuro appointed as head coach of the Juventus women's team, which I'm sure rings some bells for you. And, and overnight, Ange Postacoglu finally appointed as, uh, as manager at, at Celtic, which is you sort of sit and shake your head and you go, wow, it's just, just remarkable. Does that, does that help you as a young coach dream bigger dreams or is it just make it seem a long way away? How, how does all that sort of stuff make you feel? No, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's amazing for Australian football. You know, we don't get enough recognition um, as coaches in Australia. You know, you go to Europe, um, you know, they don't look at us, you know, in, in a way that they would look at, at their um, European counterparts. Um, but to see Joe go to Juventus, you know, that's my childhood club. Juventus yeah. is a club that I've followed my whole life. And to know that that's possible for an Australian coach, um, and to see someone in a full-time role um, doing that, it's just uh, unbelievable. You know, Joe went and done all his badges at Coverciano, which is the home base um, for the Italian national team, something that I've, I've always dreamed of to go there and, yeah. and, do, and do some of my licences. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a really, really tough, um, you know, ask to get over to Europe and, and to pay to, to do all those yeah. and, and be away from, from Australia. But it's just so, so amazing to see Joe and also see Ange now, at, you know, at a massive club like Celtic. And I hope it gives Australian coaches, um, you know, the inspiration to not give up and to continue on their path because who knows what doors can open up for us now. Um, just to know that the Australian coaches are on the map in Europe is massive, you know, and hopefully – you know, they, they both have the success in those in those clubs and which will help us eventually if we ever want to go and, um, you know, apply for any of these jobs overseas because uh, I've got a, a good friend that's that's working over in Europe at the moment and, you know, they, they said we actually underestimate how good we are as Australian coaches. You know, mm. people think just because they're in Europe, there's good coaches everywhere, but there's actually a lot of really, really good coaches in Australia it's just about for us now finding opportunities on how we can keep these coaches coaching in Australia full time because that's the biggest problem that we're facing right now. They're the biggest barriers is how do we get our good coaches to be in full time work, um, you know, across Australia because unfortunately long term we need to think about, you know, our, our family life, our, our careers and we're not going to be able to keep people in the game for too long if we don't start offering um, full-time opportunities for these people. We're going to lose these good people. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that part of that comes back to the length of the season, doesn't it? You know, we talk about um, players needing games to develop and that, that's no different for coaches. You know, we, we learn as coaches when our teams don't do so well. We learn from, like everyone, from making mistakes. But, you know, a coach that's coaching 11 games a season in the National Youth League or 20 games a season, you know, in the W League or 70 games a season in the European League, there's, there's a different level of learning speed, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I'd love to know the stats of how many full-time um, jobs are available in Australia compared to how many coaches we actually have. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, we've always said, you know, better coaches, better footballers. Yeah. It was, I can't remember... Was it Iceland that put their their money into coaching 
and they done a big, big coach overhaul. Um, I think it was Iceland. Yeah, they, they got it in through their, through their school system. So yeah. they, they spent a lot investing in school teachers to coach. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously a very, very small nation that's had incredible yeah. success. Yeah. It's just fantastic. And I, I think that's something that we need to do. We need to be investing in our um, coach education. We need to be investing in coach development. We need to be investing in um, coaching pathways, mentorships, you know, offering these coaches the opportunity because there are plenty of males and females out there that want to work in football. There's only sure. a handful of us that are lucky enough to actually do it. Yeah, no, I agree. Kathy, you mentioned about um, Joe um, um, going uh, to the home of coaching in Italy for his badges, and, and he and I had a discussion around about that. That's something you said you'd like to do. Is that because of the cultural thing, or do you think UEFA and Italian coaches, their coach education system is different from the Australian coach education system? Yeah, it's just, you know, culturally, obviously, growing up in an Italian um, household and my background's Italian and cover channel is something that, you know, we've always spoken about. But I would love to just see what it's like um, going through there and seeing, you know, what the Italian way um, of, of coaching is. And obviously I've grown up watching a lot of Italian football and it's completely different. The away for badges of, of coaches that I have spoken to and who I've spoken to obviously with us going through our AFC licenses, it's a completely different um, pathway and a completely different course. Yeah. Jo jo Joe's words were that in Italy they spent more time looking at what to coach and he thought in Australia we spent maybe too much time looking at how to coach and the difference was in Europe we don't really care how you get your message across because everyone's different and there could be a different way of delivering the message but these are the important things that are happening in football right now so this is the knowledge to know how you do that that's up to you. Yeah 100% you know we always say you know, you get a driver's license, but everyone drives differently. You've got good drivers, bad drivers. Some use their blinkers, some don't. But at the end of the day, you know, you you got to do what is you, you know. So you've got to be you. And and even from all the coaches that I've looked at over the years and, you know, I've, you know, crossed paths with a lot of, lot of different um, coaches and a lot of great coaches, especially um, moving in and out of, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and being able to interact with our A-League coaches as well. Um, but it's it's amazing. You know, you take a little bit from everyone, you know, and then you've got to never change who you are as a person and adapt your principles to the way you want to um, deliver those, you know. But coaching, there's, there's a handbook and you've got to get your coaching licences and you've got to, you know, follow a, a process but when you actually get the head coaching job, it's up to you how you make make it work. You know, Alex Ferguson is probably different to a Jose Mourinho and they've all got their different ways on how they deliver their messages. And it's what works for you as, as a head coach. Um, those licenses are great, I think, across the whole world. It would be fantastic to, to touch on all different courses just to see yeah. how all different countries do it. Um, but in the end of the day, you have to have your own style and your own spin on, on the way you do things. Yeah, I think one of the things that's come out in having these conversations is, it, in my opinion at least, I think it's time for FIFA to 
look at coach education worldwide and that, you know, a, a pro licence in, in Asia shouldn't be any different from a pro licence in Italy or South America. It, it should be a standard that's set around the world uh, and enable because it, it's a costly business to go and do a, a pro license. Well, it's a costly business to do your licences full stop. So to think that you get one in one country that isn't recognised somewhere else is, a, um, is not great. That's 100%. You know, we need unity. Um, you know, it's, it's really sad to see, you know, some of these um, barriers that a lot of our coaches have been facing um, since going over to Europe as well. You know, having to get, you know, exemptions and they're fighting. They've got a pro licence in Australia and they can't coach in Europe. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, Absolutely. these guys are full-time pros that have invested in their, um, in their career and in their pathway and then they get offered an opportunity to go to Europe and they have to fight to try and coach in Europe. It's, it's ridiculous and it's definitely something that, you know, FIFA needs to look at um, yeah. and they need to start doing more in, in terms of investing back into, into, our, into our sport worldwide. Yeah. Changing tack a little bit, Kathy, you're, I'm going to, I keep calling you a young coach and you're at 35, albeit you've had, um, plenty of experience now. Have you found your coaching's changed over over your journey so far? Yeah, I think it has. You know, I've, I've evolved as a coach. You know, from when I first started, obviously you keep learning and you keep adding to your toolbox, just like a, a player. You know, as a player, you, yeah. add, you add tools to your toolbox, and as a coach, you add tools to your toolbox. Um, you know, and and as a person, I've I've grown and matured, and um, you know, my my coaching style has evolved um, and has changed, but not that much in terms of what I expect and, and my standards um, as a coach. It, they're, they're the same. Whether I'm coaching my under-14s girls or whether I'm coaching my W League girls, my standards um, are always the same in, in what I expect from, from the players, you know. I don't give them less than 150% every day going into a training session and I don't expect any less from them when they take the field as well. You know, there's certain things that for me are non-negotiable um, and given everything once you cross that white line is, is one of them. Good on you. Have you had a coaching mentor? You, you mentioned the influence that Stages had on you thus far. Do you have formally have a coaching mentor or mentors, people that you go to to bounce ideas, ideas off? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say an official mentor. Um, but like I said previously, it's you know, I'm very lucky that I can pick up the phone and someone that I'm that I'm very close with and you know, we speak regularly is is Alan Stagic. You know, he coached me. Um, we actually done some coaching together. Um, when he was in the Matildas, I actually coached his daughter. So we used to spend a lot of time together um, back at SD Raiders. Um, and also I was offered the chance to um, do some professional development stuff when he was in the Matildas to go and spend time, um, you know, out of my own time to go down there and whenever they were in camp in Sydney and yeah. to spend time with the girls on the park, which was amazing for my professional development, you know, being with with Alan and um, Noel Arate as well, which is his assistant at yeah. Central Coast Mariners. Um, I spent some time um, with with him as well and being able to pick up the phone and, and talk to these sort of people and, you know, being able to ask questions or if I'm at a roadblock and, you know, I've got something that, that I want to run by, um, any of them, it's it's never been, um, 
anything that they won't pick up the phone. They've always always been there for me. Um, you know, Tom Samani also being at the Wanderers and, you know, talking to, to any of the A-League coaches there. I've always had yeah. uh, a great relationship with with all of our um, staff and being able to pick their brains, it's it's always great, you know, and especially now within our new facilities at, at the Wanderers, our new headquarters, you know, the football department's all there. You know, you look over, you've got Ian Crook, um, you've got the whole A-League department, the NYO um, coaches. And it's just great. You know, you've got so many yeah. whiteboards everywhere and, you pick up the little the little man and you start moving them around. You start getting more <laughs> discussions, and and that's how you grow. And, yeah. and that's how you know we all grow. And I think you know football discussions and being able to have those discussions with you know six or seven people within the office and everyone sort of jumps in on on the um, on the chat. I think is fantastic. And I think uh, as a football club and, and building a culture, that's what you need. You know, yeah. you need to have a great team around you and you know I think there at the moment we've got a great team yeah I really like that I think that's a, a fantastic opportunity I I look back and the for me I think I think it seemed to get lost a little bit a while ago coaches could get together and have good honest discussions about their thoughts views and opinions on the game and it wasn't about me being right and you being wrong or you being right and me being wrong. It was about our thoughts about the way the game should be played with this group of players at this time and whether we were right or wrong sort of evolved into how successful we could transform that into the work we did with our players. Yeah, I think having those discussions and being able to bounce ideas off other passionate people like yourself um, I think that's how we grow, you know, yeah. that's how we grow as people. That's how we grow as, as coaches. And, you know, I've always been someone that's always been very inviting, you know, with open arms to any other coach that's ever wanted help from me, anyone that I can help assist. And I, I've actually always had very good relationships with, with everybody in football, whether it be at the Wanderers um, or outside of our club environment um, because I, I truly, truly believe that every everything that you hear is is a learning curve, whether you take it for the good or the bad. Um, I think for you to grow as a person and as a coach, you've always got to take on that advice, whether it be someone within football, whether it be somebody that's successful in business, uh, whether it's, you know, um, I've, I've got a great mentor and in, in a good friend that, you know, has a beautiful family, beautiful kids. I love the way that they bring up their kids and the way their values are within their household. You know, they're, they're things that resonate with me and something that I want within my household, whether it's, you know, in my house here at home or whether it's in my house at football, you know, having, having those values and those core values uh, are very big for me. Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. How about outside of football, Kath? Have you, have you learned, have there been any learnings from other coaches from outside of our game? Um, yeah, look, I think I watch a fair bit of football. Um, I see a lot of what goes on in, in other countries. Um, we've been involved in a lot of different um, podcasts and um, chats within, you know, other coaches within around the world. Um, it's actually sometimes we think that we're in a, in a hard situation here in Australia, but sometimes, you know, we've actually got a lot better than what some others have got it, which is, 
we're very, very fortunate in, in some ways. You know, we live in, in a great country and um, we have some great opportunities, but it's really good to actually connect with coaches in, in other countries as well and just see what their barriers are, what goes well for them, what doesn't. Um, but having that network um, recently, uh, whether it be through Football Coaches Australia or other um, people, especially during COVID, I felt that we've done a lot more connecting with people around the world within our game. Um, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's plenty of opportunity out there for us to learn if we uh, prepare to be open and, and let it in. Why do you do it? Why do you coach? Oh, I think the main one is passion. You know, I love, I love the game. I love football. Um, you know, a lot of my friends don't understand it. They just can't understand why I'm always, why I'm always at football on the weekends or always at football. Every time they ask me to go and do something, it's always like, I'm at football. So it's funny now, like on our WhatsApp groups, it's always like, yes, okay, coach, no problem, coach. So my whole social life revolves around me being being involved in football, you know. So, But like I said, as a player or as a coach, you've got to be passionate about what you do. You know, I love love coaching. I love um, instilling, you know, my values, um, you know, within the, the female space and, you know, giving back to these young girls and, and also giving people um, an inspiration, not only now as, as a footballer but as a coach, you know, breaking down barriers for the next young female coach to say, you know, one day I want to coach the, the Wanderers. You know, it might not be the player pathway, but now with myself becoming the head coach of, of the Western Sydney Wanderers, now that gives us inspiration to other young girls from Western Sydney to say, I can do that. Yeah. I like that. Um, you, uh, with the young Matildas, went to a World Cup and then you took a break. For a while, you talked about passion and love in the game. Did you fall out of love with the game for a for a little while? Yeah, I did. Um, and I think probably Tom Samani and Alistair Edwards, um, who's now the TD at, at Johor, um, still reminds me to this day that I didn't go to the Youth World Cup in Russia and and I, I dogged him, he says, all the time. Um, but... Yeah, 100% right. I fell out of love of the game, you know, and it was tough, you know, back in those days, you know, we didn't have um, the opportunities that we have now. And um, I felt that, you know, that that life balance, you know, with football, I think in my younger years, I had sort of blinkers on and all I wanted to be was a professional footballer and I wanted to do football full time. And I didn't want to go and work in a normal job. I wanted to be a footballer. And I think as I got older and I realised that that wasn't an opportunity for me, there was, there was nothing there, you know. It, it sort of disheartened me. And, you know, before the, the World Cup, the Youth World Cup, which would have been my third Youth World Cup at the time um, in Russia, I just pulled the pin and I said, I don't want to play anymore. And I think everybody was just stunned. They're like, what do you mean you don't want to play? And I said, I don't want to play anymore. And I think I had a lot of people coming to the door and, and trying to get me to, to play. And as anyone would ever say, I'm, I can be quite stubborn at times. I think <laughs> it's the Italian blood in me. Um, but 
that's why I always say the, the main ingredient as a player and as a coach is that you need to love the game and you need to be passionate about it. And when I fell out of love with the game and I didn't have that, you know, that feeling when I took the training pitch or when I took took the pitch in a game. And when yeah. you lose that that spark and that that feeling, I felt it was time for me to take a break. And yeah. um, I didn't think that I'd ever go back. And I was lucky enough, you know, a few years later, the the, the W League came ahead. And again, it was it was Alan Stadjic actually that said, "What are you doing playing in those paddocks with those park soccer girls? Are you serious?" He goes, "You need to come back and and play again. You know, come back to the W League." He goes. Tomorrow morning, training, 5.30, Homebush. And I sort of looked at him and I'm like, mate, 5.30? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm coming at 5.30. And I was, I was not nowhere near as fit as what I was. Um, I was probably a little bit overweight, unfit, you know, hadn't really played at that level. It had been over nearly three years, you know. Mm. But funny enough, the night before, I packed my bag. And I walked into the change room at 5.30 the next morning. I sent a lot of um, friends and a lot of girls that, that I played with along the years. And um, it was that day, I, I remember it clearly. I was so tired. I felt like I was going to vomit after the session. <laughs> I hadn't trained that hard in years. And, and it was from there that I, that I got back involved in, in, um, in football. And I signed for Sydney FC that season. Um, and by the end of the season, I was back in, in the Matildas camp. And lucky enough, because I never got to actually cap properly for Australia, um, and it was only because I came back that I actually got a, a proper cap because back in those days, there was not many um, internationals playing. Mm-hmm. So to come back, play W League, get back into the um, Matildas and, and actually get an official cap was um, something that, you know, it's, it's very special and, I'm very grateful that I that I got the opportunity to do that. And now, you know, I've forged a, a career in coaching. And if I didn't come back those that, that day and I didn't turn up at 5.30 in the morning, um, I'm not sure that we'd be having this conversation today. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful story. All, all credit to you. Kath, do you think you were more resilient when you came back into it? Oh, 100%. I had a much clearer mind as well. Um, I had a lot better uh, life to football balance. Um, I think having that time away from the game really taught me a lot about me as a person um, and about what football um, really, really needs. And, and that's something that I try to really instill in the players um, about having balance with football because yeah. you can't be, you know, 200% invested in football because I, th- I truly believe you know, psychologically as well, you need that out, whether it be with your family or your friends. And I feel when you have that balance um, as a player, you're a lot clearer, you're a lot happier. Um, and when I came back in the second time around, um, my vision on how to be a footballer and, and what I wanted out of the game was was a lot different. Um, it's It's amazing when you actually step back and you look from the outside um, how different it actually is. And, you know, we're very lucky these days as well. There's a lot of support, um, you know, within, you know, mental health, dietitians, nutritionists, um, strength and conditioning. 
there's so many different parts of of help that you've got there now when when you are a professional footballer, which is fantastic. Yeah. How how important do you think it is for coaches to be resilient? Oh, super important, you know, because not everything's going to go your way, you know, and it's it's never going to be a, a straight road where you're going to go from A to B. You know, that's it's so many different roadblocks, so many barriers, so many hoops you need to jump through. Um, I think it's really important as as a coach and as a head coach that you're the one that needs to stand strong for the group. You know, you're you're the leader of the pack. You're the top. You know, they need to look to you for support and you need to be their rock. And I think that's the most important role as a head coach. They need to know that, you know, you're you're going through all those barriers for them and they know that you're pushing, um, that you're working as, as hard as you can and, you know, it's not always going to be peaches. You're not always going to be winning. And, you know, I understand that as, as a, as a coach, you know, because, you know, it's, it's not always going to be, oh, you know, you're just going to win a championship just like that. It's, it takes hard work and res- being resilient is, is a big one. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that it, it seems in general discussions that the, there's an acceptance that maybe young people aren't as resilient as, as maybe they used to be? And it, do, you, do you think that's something that you can – is that a, a, a teach-by-example thing or do you think that's something that, that we can work with players on? No, I definitely think you can, you can work with players um, on that. Um, I think being resilient is something that, you know, gets instilled – in you, you know, whether you're you're a younger player or a younger person, you know, I think a lot of it comes from your home life. You know, yeah. a lot of your learnings come, you know, from from your family and your parents and you know how they have, have brought you up. And but also, you know, as coaches in other environments, whether it be youth environments or younger environments, it's our job to teach kids how to be resilient. You know, it, it's it's very difficult these days. And I know the way of of coaching and teaching in terms of, um, you know, winning, you know, is, is our winning culture still there? You know, is, is our, um, are we a lot softer on, on players or on kids in, in these environments? There's so many questions around that space and things have changed a lot, but I think it's really important that, you know, having discipline within your environment and teaching your kids or, or your players to be resilient is is the job of of the leader of the group. Yeah, no, I like that. So, what what have been some of your most enjoyable moments so far as a coach? Um, I think for me, how much we've evolved in in the W League space. You know, if I go back to my first year um, as an assistant, and to to me last year as as an assistant how much the game has grown, um, how much more professional it's coming, um, how lucky we are to have, you know, or I can say in my environment, um, the resources that we have as a club. You know, if we go back when I was playing W League, you know, over 10 years ago, wow, what, what a long way we, we've come. You know, I remember back in my uh, Sydney FC days, we, we had – times when we would be training at a park and we'd have to all get our headlights on so we could train that extra half an hour to get a bit of light. So when I tell some of these young girls these stories, you know, they're like, what, really? Like, no way. I'm like, yeah, that's what we had to do. You know, yeah. the 
put our headlights on in the car to get a training session out. You know, the coach, the coach wasn't just our coach. He was our, you know, he'd, he'd strap our ankles. He'd, he'd diagnose our, our rolled ankles, our, our knees. And, you know, there was just, yeah, it, it was tough back in those days. And, and to see how far um, we have come as, as a game um, in, in the women's game is, is unbelievable for me. But I think not last season, the season before, um, you know, getting the monkey off our back with, with the W League and, and the Western Sydney Wanderers and, and making um, the top four, um, that, was a, that was a huge achievement um, for us as a group. Um, I think it was something that's been a, a long time coming for myself. It's, it's been, um, you know, something I'm really, really proud of and something that I want it to become the norm. I want it yeah. to be normal that the Western Sydney Wanderers make the top four and that are in the semis every year. You know, that's, that's got to be part of the culture to have that winning mentality to say, you know, I play for the Western Sydney Wanderers and I want to win it. Yeah. How important is the Future Wanda Women's Program and the, the academy for you? Oh, it's huge. You know, to give, I think it's 35 girls the opportunity um, to be affiliated with the brand. I think that's something um, that's that's going to be huge. Who knows in one, two, five years' time, you know, if I'm having these conversations with players and, and asking them to, to sign with the Western Sydney Wanderers, I want them to pick us because they have that sense of um, belonging to the club. And I think starting it off at, at a young age, I think is, is absolutely um, important to have that, you know, because uh, I truly, truly believe, you know, you need to be, um, you know, feel strongly about the club that you, that you play for. And when you have that extra, that extra passion for the, the club, you know, girls are going to want to stay long-term with you. Girls are going to want to be on that journey with you and they're going to believe in, in what um, our vision is as a club and, you know, not just in, in the girls' part but in the club in general. You know, when they think Wanderers, I want them to think, you know, we want to be successful, whether it be A-League, W-League, NYL, whatever part of the club that, that you're part of. Because, you know, coaches come and go, staff come and go but the club will always remain. And I think it's really important that, you know, we're giving girls that opportunity and we're also giving girls the opportunity that it doesn't come down to whether mum or dad can afford it as well, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah. Our foundation, which has funded the program, it's been absolutely phenomenal part of, of the growth of um, young kids in Western Sydney and to give, you know, those kids the opportunity and not have to pay especially in these days, you know, it's, it's becoming very expensive to play football. So yeah. to get that extra coaching um, and be in that environment where they get to, you know, get a, a Wanderers strip and they get to train at our facilities. They get to be, they get to go in the gym where the A-League and the W-League players, you know, train and they get to train on the same pitches. It's just phenomenal to give them that, that sense of, um, you know, that, that belonging with yeah. the club. Oh, congratulations to you all on that. Sounds sounds fantastic. Um, on the downhill run here right now, what does success look like for you? Oh, success for me would, would have to be um, building something special at, at the club, you know, as a head coach. 
yes, of course, we want to win um, the W League. That's that's success. But one day when my time does come up here and and I can't be the head coach forever, I want to make sure that I've left a legacy and something that you know women's football um, can be proud of, the club can be proud of. Uh, I think it's really important that we build something special um, for the women's side of things. And I think it's important that we have been growing as a club. Um, is it the best that it can be? No, it's not. It can always be better. And we want to strive to be, you know, one day, my ultimate goal is to have full-time professionals as players, coaches, staff. That would be my ultimate goal for the women's space. Yeah, no, I like that a lot as well. All right. What are some of the valuable lessons you've learned on your journey so far? Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is just always be a good person. You know, I think no matter what, you're always going to have those um, disagreements, you know, whether it be uh, as a coach um, or player, um, but always stay true to yourself, always stay true to your values and, and always be a good person. Because um, I think, you know, in football, there is so many different opinions. You know, we've all got a different opinion on, on how we see the game or how we see a player. Um, but I think it's just always important that you stay honest and you stay true to yourself and, and, and true to your beliefs. I think the biggest um, thing for me is just to keep being me and, and keep being the person that I am. I like that too. All right. Last one. You say that to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not everyone. <laughs> so if there's one piece of coaching wisdom you could pass on to a, a young coach at the beginning of the journey, someone on the middle of the journey, someone at the end of the journey, what's one piece of, one piece of coaching wisdom you'd like to leave us with today? I think the main one would be don't give up because it is a tough journey. Um, you know, I've been going through it and, uh, and I know it's sometimes it becomes difficult and, you know, I went down that path as a player where I, I gave up and I decided to, to not continue to play and go through those, those tough times. And I think as a coach, um, it's don't give up, keep working hard because you will find, you will find a pathway somewhere, some place in Australia or maybe overseas who knows where it is, but if you're passionate about what you're doing, do not give up. Keep keep fighting. Keep fighting for, for coaches and, and keep working hard. I love that. That's terrific. What a fantastic place to leave it today. Thank you, Kath Canooley, and we wish you uh, every success. Can't wait for the, the next W League season to, to roll around and, and see that the great things that you do in a great team. Please pass on my best wishes to John Satsumas and, and Crookie, uh, two old mates. And we wish you the very, very best, Kath. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Gary. You've been listening to Kath Canooley and the Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then please go to footballcoachesoz.org.au, renew your membership, buy a membership, just read a little bit and get yourself some football education. You have a great day. Mm -hmm.